You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, my name is Lindsay Keisman. I'm one of the coaches for the Group Practice Exchange, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of the podcast. A big thank you to Maureen for inviting me to talk with you and do this takeover series. Today is the last episode in my takeover series, and I want to talk about how hiring and onboarding is impacted by being an insurance-based practice. My group practice is largely insurance-based, and we have to be. In my area, self-pay is not the norm. Out-of-network billing is not the norm. And I think offering to take insurance is wonderful to help increase access to care and make mental health care affordable. However, it can also present some significant administrative challenges. Before we get into this discussion, I think it's important to understand that systems put in place by the insurance companies are greatly responsible for many of the headaches associated with hiring and onboarding in an insurance-based practice. And by far, the most annoying thing about the insurance company is their contracting and credentialing process. Hop on over to any Facebook group any day and there's someone venting about this because the insurance companies have turned this into a real pain. For those of you who are not familiar with insurance, let me do a quick explanation of contracting and credentialing. Contracting is the process in which you ask the insurance company if they want to work with your company and they say yes and then you both sign a contract and agree on a set fee schedule for how much reimbursement you'll get for each of your sessions. And depending on the insurance company, I found this process can take anywhere between two to nine months. I'd say the average is more like three to four. But see, once you have a contract, you still have to submit each clinician to be credentialed to go through the credentialing process. So credentialing is the process in which they make sure that each of your clinicians are in good standing and should be allowed to be a provider on their insurance panel. And this process can take between, I find, one to six-ish months. The reason it varies so much is that credentialing can go quicker, or at least the credentialing phase can go quicker, if somebody's previously been credentialed through another organization that they've worked with versus if they're brand new. I'm sure some go faster and some go longer, but that's the average I hear and I experience. So in general, when I talk with my staff, I usually say it'll probably take anywhere from three to 12 months before 
we start having you in network on insurances and maybe about a year from now we'll have everything wrapped up. And it's kind of shocking when people first hear it. And I know for me, when I was starting my group practice, this became a significant point of stress for me. And I made some mistakes in my initial hiring process that added to the pressure and the stress that I felt as a business owner responsible for my employees, their livelihood, and getting them enough referrals so that they were getting the paycheck they needed for their lifestyle. So... You know, the question is, what exactly is it that we're supposed to do during this waiting per- you know, period with the person that we hired? And, you know, what are some things that we can do to make sure we're going to go through this process as quickly as we can, whatever is within our control to do it in the most efficient and productive way? All right, so now that you have an understanding of contracting and credentialing, uh, let's talk about a few tips that I have to make the hiring and onboarding process go smoothly in an insurance-based practice. So first and foremost, kind of going back to the contracting conversation, some insurance companies have things called group contracts. And a group contract is specifically designed for group practices. Now, not all of them have a group contract. Some of them have specific rules, which you may or may not be eligible to hold a group contract, like the size of your company, how many clinicians you have, whether or not you have a medication prescriber on staff. But I want you to do that pre-work of calling all the insurance companies, checking in to see if they offer group contracts and if you qualify. And if you do, go through the work to get that set up because it will make it significantly faster to get people in network with your practice. So if you can, go ahead and get a list of those and get started, at least have the conversation with your rep. So tip number two. So this is probably the mistake that I made that I was talking about earlier. One of the bigger mistakes was that I didn't plan ahead enough. So like most new practice owners, I didn't really have a good feeling for, you know, how full I might be in six months or how quickly I'd be able to fill up my, you know, first couple of clinicians. And so by the time we got to that point and I knew I needed to hire someone, it was already kind of too late. And what I mean by that is that there were a lot of missed opportunities because by the time I hired somebody and got them on board and got them onto the insurance companies, we had been turning people away for a couple of months, which is wonderful for my peers and my community that I referred people to. But it always kind of sucks when we realize we're putting a lot of effort into making you know, these connections in the community, marketing, spending money on marketing, and then turning people away because we don't have staff that can take them. So I recommend that you plan ahead about six months. So for me, I like to hire people and keep in mind that they might start during one of my busy seasons. So like a lot of group practice owners, the fall is a great time for me to have somebody ready to rock. So if I'm going to bring somebody on, let's say right after Labor Day, so September, uh, this means that I need to hire somebody by you know, the end of spring, the beginning of spring, which means I really need to be putting a job ad out there to get some decent applicants and start the interviewing process maybe in February. So now I have a better feeling for this. And it's really hard because sometimes, and and I know when I was in the beginning phases and even still when I do it now, 
the reality is, is that six months out, I'm always wondering, well, if I hire somebody, what if my existing clinician that I've recently hired isn't full yet, right? And so I've got all of these, you know, feelings about I want to make sure that they have enough and I don't want to bring on somebody too soon. And, you know, that can put you in a tug of war type of position. But this is also where you just get smart and kind of remember to stagger the types of people that you hire and make sure that there's, you know, plentiful amount of referrals or there's some diversity in the niches of the people that you're hiring so that there's not so much competition between the two of them. All right. So this brings me to tip number three. In the interviewing process, I really think it's important to be candid and make it really clear that the credentialing and uh, contracting process takes a long time and that while their hire date might be one thing, their start date is going to be significantly delayed. In my practice, I don't have new clinicians start until they're on at least one of the insurance panels we take. And so for us, that's Blue Cross Blue Shield. And we're lucky because... A lot of clients in our area have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance, and it makes up about 50% of the referrals that come into our practice. So I can explain to the new clinician that it'll be a little bit of a slower start, and I can't promise a cascade of new clients the moment that they start. However, they'll be able to get started, and they'll get some traction, and they'll get the process moving. Like in any interview, we have to talk about what it takes to be in private practice, to build a caseload, and to understand the ebbs and flows. But in an insurance-based practice, we really have to explain that a lot more, especially what that first, you know, six to 12 months is going to look like. So tip number four is, you know, do you know your insurance makeup or your payer mix in your business? And what I mean by that is, like I said, 50% of the referrals that come in are Blue Cross Blue Shield. And that's been really important data for me. It helps me make some really you know, good decisions about when I'm going to hire, who I'm going to hire, how long it takes to get on some of those insurance panels. And I can have those conversations and be candid and be clear with the people that I hire. So if you don't have this information, let's start tracking it, you know, put together a pie chart and see what percentage of each insurance, you know, panel that you take makes up in your business and adding categories for self-pay and out-of-network. And if you're just getting started with your group practice, see if you can find out, you know, some estimates from other local colleagues, or you can get this information from public health um, in your county. Uh, They usually have statistics or or the hospitals in your county will have statistics about the payer mix in your region. Once again, really helpful information to aid in decisions around hiring and timing and communicating that clearly. So tip number five is to read your contract and talk to your rep about how best to start a new person. Some contracts allow for what's called supervisory billing, where you bill under a supervisor's name who's already in network until the other person becomes in network. You need to investigate what is and is not allowed in your contract and get familiar with exactly how they want it done. I think most importantly is don't assume you can do it that way because in a lot of cases you can't. And the insurance companies have strong feelings about making sure that the people that are considered in network, the people who are actually doing the work with the clients are in network or under a supervisory contract that they've already agreed with. 
All right, tip number six is to get familiar with out-of-network billing. So out-of-network billing is this relationship with the client's insurance company that says, hey, I'm not on your panel, but I'm going to, you know, give the client a super bill or do the billing for them, and they're going to utilize their out-of-network billing benefits. Generally speaking, out-of-network billing benefits are not as good as in-network benefits for the client, but while you're waiting for the in-network status of a clinician that you bring on, you can offer potential clients a way to use their insurance while waiting for their therapist to become in-network. While some out-of-network benefits are kind of terrible, there are others that are really decent. So this might mean that you have to change your initial phone call process to gather their information for their insurance and run their benefits to give them that option when discussing who in your practice they can see. So if I know that somebody's out-of-network benefits aren't too bad, I may go ahead and recommend my new hire who's not in network yet and just explain that process to them. Additionally, some clients are dead set on a particular clinician, and they really want their niche or their specialization, and they don't mind doing it this way. So if you tell them that, you know, you can do out-of-network billing and then they'll be in-network maybe within a few months, a good chunk of people will go ahead and sign up for a session with a clinician who's out-of-network. And along with out-of-network billing, you can always consider a discounted self-pay rate to help your clinician fill up while they're waiting to get in-network. Okay, so tip number seven, let's talk about when they sign the job offer and we're moving on to the next step. So make sure you emphasize how important it is to do the work required to get the credentialing applications in ASAP. I always like to say this is a hurry up and then wait process. We hurry to get their applications done and get all the materials in that we need to send them to credentialing. And in order to make sure that this gets done in a reasonable time frame, I give deadlines to my new hires so this gets done within a week from the hire date. This can be quite a cumbersome process for some people because if they have to fill out a CAQH profile, which is one of the steps most insurance companies require, that whole thing can take a couple of hours for some people to fill up or to fill out. All right, so tip number eight. Follow up a lot. Credentialing errors happen all the time. Contracting errors happen all the time. Make sure that you're up to date on the latest way that each company wants you to submit an application for a new hire that you have because sometimes they change things. So I always like to ask them, give a call, say I'm looking to bring somebody on. What's How do you recommend this? And then I like to ask them what their current time frame is. So many of them will say something like 120 business days. I say, okay. And what I do is I put a reminder on my calendar to call them in a week to make sure that they received everything. I want confirmation that they received my application and that it's complete. And what I do is I put another reminder on my calendar every month to go ahead and check in on the status of it. And what happens is sometimes it'll have landed on somebody's desk and they'll be like, oh, hey, well, I got your voicemail, I reviewed it, and it looks like you forgot this piece of paper or you didn't fill out this one line on the application. Now, keep in mind that frequently that starts the entire maybe 120-day process all over again. So if I'm on top of communicating with them and getting them to put some eyes on the file, even if they're still not going to actually process it for another month or two, this will help me catch the errors sooner rather than later. 
So I also do believe that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I can't tell you how many times we've called and we're getting a little closer, right? Maybe we're at the 90-day mark. And they'll say, oh, it might take a full 120 business days. Well, at that point, I put the reminder on our calendar to call every week. And magically, sometimes we end up getting done before that 120 days. All right, so my last tip is to consider adding an administrative support person who focuses on credentialing. For me, this is my in-house biller. I wasn't able to hire somebody like this when I first started my group practice, and I was the one that did all of the paperwork, all of the credentialing and contracting. And after getting my in-house billing person trained in this, I had always sort of regretted that I hadn't done that sooner. Having someone fully dedicated to this task has definitely resulted in my clinicians getting onto panels quickly and efficiently. I wasn't always able to do it every week. I wasn't always able to answer the phone when somebody was calling me back, which just delayed the process. So remember, the sooner you get them on, the sooner they get full, the happier they are, and the happier your practice is. So whatever investment you put into the credentialing process to bring on a new hire and onboard them as fast as you can will definitely come back to you. So to wrap things up, I, you know, I don't think any group practice owner likes the feeling of not being able to fill up their new hires. So as much as you can, setting it up right from the start is always your best bet. If that clinician accepts a job at your practice and you've been crystal clear with them, then they know what they signed up for and will hopefully be patient for it all to work out. And the good news is that most insurance-based practices have really steady referrals. So once you're over that first hurdle of getting them hired and getting them in network, the rest is pretty easy and it works really well. All right. It has been an absolute pleasure talking about these topics with you. Once again, I'm Lindsay Keisman, one of the coaches for the Group Practice Exchange. If you want to connect with me, you can say hi on Facebook. Reach me on a Q&A on the Exchange membership or check out my coaching page on thegrouppracticeexchange.com. Have a great day. Be well and enjoy the private practice and group practice journey. Take care. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group. And they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll, to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the Group Practice Exchange and get $100 off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.